0: The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, They entrusted me with a clicker this morning, but I didn't test it out first. So, uh, oh, look, there's a blank, there it is. All right, Uh, I think I'm going the wrong way though. There we go. There we go, we got it. Okay, so uh, I am grateful to be here this morning and uh, this is a special day in the life of the church if you don't know that or not. Uh, It's actually St. Stephen's Day. Uh, It's named after the first martyr in the Christian church, Stephen in the book of Acts, uh, who was also one of the first deacons in the church looking for ways to care for the poor. So you'll learn more about Stephen in the next couple weeks as you get back into your series in the book of Acts. Uh, I was grateful that I didn't have to preach in that series this morning, but you're going to pick that back up in the next couple weeks here. So St. Stephen's Day is the theme of the song Good King Wenceslas. Maybe you've heard that and wonder what that's about. Uh, It's also called Boxing Day, uh, and it's celebrated by many of the two and a half billion, with a B, Christians and citizens of the British Commonwealth worldwide today. So the day after gift-getting and Christmas feasting with family and friends on Christmas Day, the day after that, they go and they give gifts to the poor. So to that end, I thought it'd be fitting this morning for us to preach on a passage that's designated for this day which is Isaiah 61, both as we consider where we are in this special time of Christmastide, but also as we look ahead into 2022, which is gonna be arriving in a few days for us. Isaiah, like most of the prophets in the Old Testament, is often found foretelling something. Foretelling something that's gonna occur in their day It's going to happen then, but also something that extends through time to another time and place. So when we look at this passage this morning, it's about a time where it extends into the inaugural time of Christ, what we've been celebrating these last few days. Okay, extending into when Christ was born as a baby, when Christ was brought here onto earth, uh, becoming fully God and yet becoming fully man on our behalf as well. So that's what we normally celebrate this time of year. But remember, that's the inauguration of Christ's kingdom on earth, of God's kingdom in the flesh, if you would. Extending all the way back to this prophecy of something that was gonna happen in Isaiah's day, but hundreds of years later as well. Then it continues on in the life of the church, which we enjoy today, but then it's gonna have its final consummation when Christ returns in glory, not in the humility of a feed trough, not in the humility of rags being wrapped around him, but in a time of great glory, for all of us. So we have those three things happening here, the inauguration, the continuation, and then the consummation of this passage one day in before our very eyes. So at the inauguration of God's kingdom here on earth, Christ comes to us in that great humiliation. He comes to us as that baby born in the manger, born in a feed trough, laid in a manger. Okay? Uh, And back in those days, uh, a manger wasn't this nice little barn like structure. It was probably a cave. Okay? A cave of like cold, dampness, darkness. Uh, You know, Christ is born into this lowest of the low of the circumstances so that he would be there for any of us as we go through the lowest of the lowest times in our lives. None of us were laid in a manger, in a feed trough. None of us were born in a cave. You may not have been born in a hospital, but I know you weren't born in a cave, all right? So that when we find any person on earth or when we find ourselves at the lowest of the lowest point in our lives, that we can know that Christ has met us there in that place as well. So Christ inaugurated his kingdom, choosing to be born in a situation like that, He begins his reign here on earth, but it's gonna be continually gone and going through until he comes and consummates that again for us. So to that end, when he comes again, he's gonna come in great glory and in judgment. We need to understand that as well. Uh, He won't be in humiliation. He'll be in great glory at that time. So we need to be aware of that. So to that end, and our first point this morning is gonna be, I stand before you, proclaiming another year of the Lord's favor to us in Christ. Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So this is a continual theme in the book of Isaiah, and it's in most of the prophetical books in the Bible. It was a common theme for Jesus as well. We see in Luke 14 that... When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, I don't wanna say this in any provoking way this morning, to anybody who's here or is listening. But who of us celebrated Thanksgiving a few weeks ago like this? How many of you gave a Christmas feast this week inviting the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind to your home? Now, I was at my extended family's Christmas Day party yesterday, and I don't really recall seeing anybody like that. I was on the Nextdoor app, the Nextdoor Neighbor app, this past week, and a couple decided to put this out there. They said, anyone who is lonely and would like to have a meal with us can come to our house for a Christmas Day meal. Now, I glanced at that and I thought, how naive. You know, that ain't gonna work, right? And sure enough, I saw that there were 83 replies to their post. You know, ain't nobody got time for that, right? But I also saw their decision to host more than one meal. Because there were that many people that were lost and lonely, the outcasts, the poor, during this season where we can spread a little joy. Now, can you imagine the church of God, if all of us put something on there like that and actually followed through? This is the continuation of what Christ inaugurated 2,000 years ago. These are the things that we should be doing as the Church of God. Now, I have a coworker whose church was shut down during the pandemic, like most of ours was, but she really wanted to go to church. She wanted to be there physically with God's people. So she looked online, and she called and called and called around her city with about 1,000, 1,500 churches, something like that. She could not find one church that was open, but she saw in the news that the Salvation Army had received a special dispensation from our government to still meet for church services during the pandemic because of their frontline work in our society. So where do you think this mother of three or four teenagers decided to show up that Sunday? The big old Salvation Army church in downtown. Now, they had old timey songs from 100 years ago being played by the Salvation Army band. Not too different from what you may have seen in some black and white movies on TV. I thought I was in a scene from The Music Man. I know this because a couple months ago, I went to her installation service where she is now officially an officer, a major in the Salvation Army. When I was there on that Sunday of her installation, I met another officer in the Salvation Army. And I was fascinated and really deeply convicted by his story. He works for a company that makes a lot of chocolate goods. It's a company you would not know. I didn't. But you have probably seen this ubiquitous brand of products before. I certainly had. And his region is the entire Southeast United States. Well, it turns out that I think he's also the son of the owner of said company and quite a wealthy person. Dressed in his Salvation Army uniform, almost every minute he's not working his secular job. So how do you spend your time off from work? Now, I don't know about you, but I had in mind a certain picture, a certain demographic of a Salvation Army worker. You know, their story of poverty, coming off the streets, going through rehab, and learning about the practices of the Salvation Army along the way, demonstrating their gratitude to the organization and to God by serving there. Mm, That's not really what's happening in these two situations, though. This is people like you and me saying, you know, I'm going to serve the body of Christ in body, mind, and spirit by serving the poor and the afflicted. I tell you what, that really shook me. It shook me deep inside to evaluate my own faith at a deeper level and to conclude that my faith is certainly much weaker than theirs. Now, if you haven't noticed this as a Christian, God has a special place in his heart for the poor, the oppressed, the afflicted. Christ stands up in the synagogue at the outset of his ministry and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's the part of Isaiah 61 that he stands up in the synagogue and reads. Now, is it no wonder that God speaking through Amos said that the people in his day were out of plumb? Is it no surprise that when God sends his people into exile because of their lifestyle so far from his design, should we not contemplate this for ourselves this day after Christmas, a feasting and exchanging presents? Now, Only the Holy Spirit of God, right? Can work in our hard hearts and make our paths that are crooked straight. But we need to know this morning that we need a savior ourselves on this St. Stephen's day. So afflict us, O God, to see our need for you this day and forever, right? That's the role of the preacher, right? to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted all with the warmth and love of god who knows you through and through in christ and still accepts you as his own but folks whether you know it or not you and i are really desperate this morning if you like i am are rich and warm and well-supplied, then you need to know that you are also poor, afflicted, and desperate. Speaking to the church of Laodicea, the glorified Lord says, for you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Now folks, I think I actually said that this past week to someone, more or less. And if I didn't say it, I thought it really hard. Oh, I'm good. I don't need anything for Christmas. I got everything I need because I'm rich and I've prospered and I need nothing. But you need to realize that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, and blind, and naked. That's the church in Revelation 3 that's rebuked for their lukewarmness. And they're about to be spit out but despite our lukewarmness to christ and to his cause in the world it's by his great mercy that he has shown us his favor but we need to know his favor anew today so pray with me now have mercy on us most merciful father in christ we confess that we are wretched pitiable poor and naked apart from thy gracious work in us. Holy Spirit of Christ, please work in, through, and even despite us for thy great glory and renown. Grant mercy to your church this morning that we might know and truly enjoy your favor this day forth and forever. And all God's people said? Amen. Now, do you see do you see there that It's hard for us to understand what the good news is unless we really recognize and are able to apply that to ourselves. The good news isn't really good news to us if we think we have no need of the Lord, right? Or worse, if you're like I am and you think I somehow deserve more than what I'm getting. So that leads to our next point. I stand before you somehow proclaiming another year of the Lord's favor in Christ to the prisoner. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. In some passages it says the blind there, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now, who among us this morning is broken hearted, needing some binding up? If that's you, then cry out to Christ for your healing and help. This is our God who does this for us in Christ, who is a prisoner, who's a prisoner here this morning, maybe a prisoner of your own making. That may not be the first place you land today, thinking that you're trapped in a prison of your own making, but that's okay. It took Jimmy Buffett three stanzas before he realized that in Margaritaville. The Lord is patient though with us in Christ. He is gracious and long suffering, even if it is our own fault. But this passage here is also talking about a cry for justice, of looking around, this is the person that's been taken captive for whatever reason of their own or another's doing. Now, this is actually tied to back in, you know, uh, in, in Leviticus where the property was to be returned to people during the, the year of Jubilee. So Jesus is saying, this is the year of Jubilee. Now, if I went out during that time and I squandered all my inheritance, the land that the Lord gave me, Let's say I was drinking away, I bet it away, I gambled it away, I was lazy and didn't work. All those things, right? Well, on the year of Jubilee, it's to be given back to me. It's to be given back to me and my family, even if I don't deserve it. This is what Christ is standing up and saying in the synagogue. This is what Isaiah is saying here. It's to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor that he's going to make all things right, that he is going to do this. So, who among us needs release from things that are even our own making? Well, it's the Lord himself. It's his hand that can release us, and will release us from that. Now, what causes your captivity? Probably doesn't imprison me, and vice versa. Maybe your prison is comfort. Well, maybe mine's reputation. Maybe your prison is R-rated, and mine's rated G. But it doesn't matter, because we're both imprisoned, and we both long for that to be made right. To be set free from that because you and I need a savior. Now, there's an important part of the holiday season that we just celebrated that goes in line with this. Because in 1943, a Lutheran theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, while imprisoned by the Nazis, observed in a letter a prison cell in which one waits, hopes, does various unessential things, but is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside is not a bad picture of the Advent. You see, the Advent season is a time where we're supposed to humble ourselves and long for this other world, this other place so that we can have this forever freedom in Christ. We want to rush right into Christmas Day with all the presents and everything, but God wants us to pause and long for him and long for that glorious day of his return when we will be forever completely renewed. You see, Christ has inaugurated his kingdom. It's already here, but not quite yet. It continues with us, but that glorious day of his consummation, it's not here yet, but it's coming soon. And this is what Bono confesses of Christ before billions of people. He says, you broke the bonds, you loosed the chains, you carried the cross and all my shame, all my shame. You know I believe it but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. This is the longing in your heart. It's for a a day, a new, as C.S. Lewis said, a real day, where everything will be made right, when the stars fall from the sky and the moon turns red over one tree hill. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not ours to take. It's ours to wait. To wait for his divine plan to unfold. He is coming to make all things right. And if you don't know Christ yet this morning, then this should strike some serious reflection in your heart and mind. Because lacking redemption in Christ, you have neither hope for this life or the life to come. It's what Morpheus explains to Neo. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You've felt it your entire life. And whether you're a Christian or not, we all have this longing, really. It's what Bono was saying there. "You know, I believe in you, Christ. I believe in what you've done for us, but it isn't really fully here yet. Oh Lord, how long? How long? What a powerful, three three-letter word that is, the word "yet." We live in this already, but not yet. You know, I believe in you. Can you say that in your heart this morning? Lord, you know I believe in you and what you've already done for us, but it isn't fully here yet. Help me to hunger and thirst for you and not all this other stuff. Oh Lord, how long? So, you and I think this perpetual longing Is for a new house, or a new car, or a new job, or a new spouse, or a new kid. But it's for this ultimate thing that we were created for. This, folks of covenant, is why we are redeemed. It's to partake in this one eternal day with Christ. That great and glorious day of His return. But until then, you and I, we need to learn how to to hope, even in the midst of the things that we see. We need to lean in to that hope. And we need to learn to lean in to the disappointments of this life. I remember my son, when he was really young, we were getting to the end of opening up presents one Christmas morning. And there was paper strewn all over the floor like you couldn't tell if it was a carpeted floor or a wood floor or a tile. And he rather innocently and honestly said, is that it? Is that all there is? And that leads to our final point this morning. I stand before you proclaiming another year of the Lord's favor in Christ. To the praiseless. Grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress or a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. This is not a promise for the perfect. It's a promise for the broken. You may have some deep heartache every year around the holidays. Maybe you're wondering, is that it? Is that all there is? Well, no. Uh, The credit card bill and the payments are coming in January. But look at our passage this morning, This is a promise for those mourning the loss of things. And there's been plenty of things to mourn this past year or two of the pandemic. One of the pastors who married my wife and I, Dan was one of them, but this other man died from COVID. Okay, kind of puts things in perspective for me. Uh, Not too much older than I am. And there's been plenty of things of loss and mourning in my life since these past 22 years ago where we set out to do God's great work on this earth. But this is a promise for all of us who are sad and sitting in ashes. It's not a promise for the strong, but those, what does it say? With a faint spirit that he will take your praiselessness and convert it somehow to joy and praise with a promise to make you and even you and I into oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for his glory. Now, a lot of ancient manuscripts say oaks of terebinth. It's what we get turpentine from, but I think it sounds better with the oaks. But this is a promise for us in Christ. And I can stand before you this morning saying that he has done great things for me. And he continues to even do so into this day. But he'll do it in greater and grander and glorious ways at the consummation. Of his return. That's what we need to long for. That's what we need to hunger for. You think you want lunch right now. You want Christ. That's what you want. So until then, because of Christ's work on our behalf, let's proclaim to each other another year of the Lord's favor to us in Christ. Let's pray. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, O God. We've enjoyed another year of your favor, not because we are great people, but because you are a great God, a God of promise and a God of provision to your people. You've promised us your favor, O Father, because of your work, O Christ. Holy Spirit, work in us this new year to bring you all the more glory, to be more like you, O God, to remember the poor, the broken, the outcast, knowing that we are those, those things ourselves. We need you. We need you in tremendous and wonderful ways. And we put our hope and trust in you and not ourselves. And all God's people said, amen.